verses 1 and verses 7 to 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he, Jesus, noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. In case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, um, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that as your word has been read and is proclaimed, that it may speak to us, that it may open our hearts and minds, that we may find comfort that at the table you have prepared for us, that all are welcome and that there is room for all of us. We ask this in your most holy name. Amen. There's a lot more than just a guide to table etiquette in this morning's story from the gospel according to Luke. In this morning's reading, we find an underlying condition that runs throughout almost all of our lives. And that underlying condition, whether or not we know it, is that we like to count and we like to tabulate our social credit. There's a tendency for us to calculate what impact our actions and words will have and how by positioning ourselves just right, we might advance to the next social ring. I'm not sure that's how any of us would describe the things that we do, but I think it is something that exists in the back of our minds. When I think about this, though, the Dowager Countess of Grantham, also known as Violet Crawley from PBS's Downton Abbey uh, comes to mind as a perfect example of what Jesus is warning us about in this morning's reading. Because if you've ever watched Downton Abbey, you'll become quickly aware of how the character of Violet Crawley stands out as someone who is known for not only their dry humor, but also their scheming and maintaining of the social status quo as the matriarch of the family. Because being in a place of high social standing, it's essential to her that her family doesn't do anything that would endanger their reputation. It's all about keeping their family on a positive upward trend. 
I think it would be fair to say that for as long as human beings formed communities and created norms by which they would abide, the challenges of relationships has not gotten any easier. We live in a world that values success, a world that places those who are social media influencers or celebrities on some pedestals that supposedly we are to look up to as guides who are culturally enlightened. But at some point we have to ask ourselves, how much are we willing to sacrifice in order to have a seat at the place we think is meant for those who are honorable? Because the cost of that prestigious seat might be higher than you initially expect. You see, it's impossible for us to earn to manipulate something that was never ours to begin with. All the scheming, all the planning we could do is not enough to win us a seat at the place of honor. And that's because we're all given a place at that seat of honor. Jesus is the host in this story who invites us to move up, to sit closer so that we may then be in deeper fellowship with God and with one another. Jesus is the host who calls out to us saying, friend, move up higher because there's enough room for all. There's enough room for all who are looking for a place at the table. There's no need to shove or to push or to jockey for some kind of in with Jesus. We may think we are deserving of a place of honor, but Jesus holds up a mirror and tells us that we need to pump the brakes. Perhaps that's part of what we do on the Sundays when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we consider what it means to partake of the bread and the cup, because at that moment, we are allowed to see the world from a new perspective. Sometimes it takes that moment, a holy moment, with a catalyst to gain a perspective that regrounds us on the things that are really important. Because imagine what we all could accomplish if we just stopped caring about what others think of us and use that energy for something a little more beneficial. But like I said before, it should be no surprise to any of us that Jesus doesn't stop at making just one point. Jesus, as usual, has something else to add. Something that makes his message speak not only to the present or the future, but the present and the future combined. You see, Jesus throws us a curveball at the end of the parable. It's not just about doing good things for the sake of being good or doing good things. And it's not just about worrying about being noticed for those good things. But it's also about those who are not at the table. It's about the people who are not at the table either because they haven't been invited in the first place. Or it's also about people who are like us who have tried to stop them from taking their rightful place. How many times have we heard a story like that before? When I read this passage, the reversal of our expectations evokes for me a very Dylan-esque feeling. And what I mean by that is that the story from Luke 
especially rings true when I consider the last couple lines of Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. You know, the ones where Dylan says, For the first ones now will later be last, for the times they are changing. The times are a changing, and it's time for us to be a part of that change. It's time for us to give up our pettiness, the things that we genuinely don't have control over. And it's time for us to place our trust into the hands of God who watches over us and calls us to such action. A dinner party, for one, is not a very good time. And I say that as someone who loves to be an introvert. So how much are we willing to allow the Spirit of God to move us, to transform our lives? In the back of my mind, I hear that old African gospel song belting out the phrase, all God's children going to sit together one of these days. So what keeps us from the table of welcome? What keeps our souls from letting others sit at the table with us? Is it our pride? Is it our prejudice? Is it our inability to let the past be the past and let the future be the future? Is it our fear of not knowing what's going to happen if we allow our hearts to be a little more vulnerable? We'll find that if we learn to trust a little harder, lean a little deeper into Christ's words, that hard exterior shell we've crafted for ourselves will begin to crumble. And then, just then, we might be willing to embrace this not-so-radical world of Jesus after all. But this transformation requires a lot of trust, which is something we may not have at the moment, or something that we may find is lacking at the moment in our lives. But we need that trust because without it, our faith, our relationships with one another and with God will find that it has no place for nourishment. And I've got a feeling that we all need a little more trust in our lives. Trust that people are doing the best they can. Trust that God will point us in the direction that we need to go. And trust that in the moments when we feel like we have no control, that everything's going out of whack, that God is there with us every step of the way. And I say this because trust will be critical when we start inviting everyone to sit at the table of God with us. And I say this because sometimes we need to be reminded that as much as we might have a handle on things, there are a lot of other things that are simply beyond us. In the end, I think most of us would take Jesus' words as more of a command rather than a recommendation. But I would like to think that Jesus' words were also meant to serve more like an invitation rather than a command. You might ask, an invitation to what? To which I would say an invitation to live a life that is free from unnecessary and burdensome constraints of what everyone else thinks of us. And an invitation then to live freely in the love of God. And what a beautiful life that would be. And we are all invited. We are all able to partake 
of the gift of the feast that Christ, the host of hosts, has laid out for every single one of us. So we can stop counting. We can take a break from the social jockeying we've partaken and just be ourselves. Because if there's one thing I've learned is that the social, that the game of social positioning is one that is unrelenting, one that is brutal, and gives no joy unless you take that joy from someone else. And we, but we can't have all the power, and we can't have all the control because it was never ours to have. Perhaps it is time then that we take a step back, that we pump the brakes, and that we stop counting and stop collecting and start living life simply to bless others for the sake of blessing others. And then we will come to understand that it doesn't matter if we start at the bottom because there is always enough room, always enough love at the table that Christ has prepared. Amen.